Welcome back to Behind the Timeline, everybody. I'm your host, Lindsay, and tonight it is the Dark Friend Social. We're here to talk about all the spoilers from A Wheel of Time, all the way through A Memory of Light, and including everything that we have so far for the show, episodes one through five, and the teaser that was dropped today for episode six. So we're going to be talking the full spoiler review for episode five, Blood Calls Blood of the Wheel of Time. And I'm very excited, you guys. I really am. There's a lot to talk about in this one. This was like all set up. I was flipping out through the entire episode. So I was really, really glad to do this. I am changing the name to the Dark Friend Social from Black Aja Friday because it's Monday and I really want to post this tonight. Um, and I'm also tired of putting up spoiler gates around the title of... Uh, of this weekly bonus spoiler episode. So we're going to go with Dark Friends Social for all those evil, evil spoilers I know you've been holding in. So before we get into it, make sure that you guys subscribe to Behind the Timeline wherever you get your podcasts. That really helps us out. Um, you can check us out on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline, at Twitter at Behind Timeline, or send us feedback at Go Behind the Timeline at gmail.com. All those links are in our website, which I will have in the bio for all the social medias and also in the episode description for this post. So make sure that you guys subscribe, make sure you follow us, send us your feedback. And yeah, let's go ahead and jump into this dark friend social. Let's talk about episode five. So really everything in this episode was a change from the books. Obviously our characters don't go to Tarvalin. So it's basically all different, except for some of Rand and Matt's stuff drawing on what they do in Camelin, which this is taking the place of. And of course, everything to do with Loyal was pretty book accurate and yay, Loyal. So let's start with Matt and Rand. They are the most kind of close to the book storyline, I guess, other than Perrin and Egwene, to be fair. Theirs is pretty, pretty booky. It's just slightly different. But we'll start with Rand and Matt. So the first thing that I noticed in the episode were the giant stones with all the carvings in them. And I lost my shit. I thought that that was a portal stone for sure. I really got so excited. I, but I guess not. People have very graciously translated the old tongue, which like, I fucking love this fandom, you guys. Way to go. I could not have done that. But the um, stones have been translated and it looks like they are signposts. Like there's Tarvalon is written on them and other cities and stuff. I think Camelin's on one of them. So I'm pretty bummed about that. I did really think that I thought those were going to be portal stones. I was bummed. I hope that we still get portal stones. I just was like out of my mind to see them. I really thought that's what that was. But they do. we do see everybody passing one. Maureen passes one. Matt and Rand pass one. And so do Egwene and Perrin. So they are just signposts. It's too bad. But Still, they were really cool. They got people excited. Then we have Rand calling out Dragon Mount. That was so cool. These Easter eggs that were in here were awesome. I love that he says he remembers it. And I doubt that's going to be from his birth. I think that will be from being Luce Theron. Which is awesome. And the animation and the x-rays, which I hope everyone goes and finds, make sure that you do that on your computer rather than through one of like the apps because it won't open up, which is too bad. But make sure that you go check out all the x-ray content 
and the animated stuff, but they say in that they straight up call this dragon mount and they explain what it is in another one of the animations. So like, they're just tell it like I I cannot imagine. I'm trying not to tell people the name of the mountain because I can't imagine hearing Rand say, "I recognize that mountain," and then knowing that it's called Dragon Mount. I mean, that would be like the hint towards Rand, right? So I just don't know. I I don't know, <laughs> but that's like all out there. I'm just trying not to say it to anyone because I just don't want to spoil anybody on who the dragon is, but. I really loved seeing Dragon Mount. Like it looked so cool. It was so awesome that it was an active volcano and that shot of Tarvalon at night. I mean, all the shots of Tarvalon. Like it was just ridiculous. It was everything I could have wanted. And uh, I cannot wait. I like, okay, we had the Corinthian cycle as well for Rand. Like they're just shouting at us now. They're like, so it's it's Rand though. It's Rand's the dragon. I can't believe that, like it even had an image of the dragon in the book. And I don't know, maybe I just haven't spent enough time on Reddit in the last couple of days or whatever, but I haven't really seen anyone talking about that. And I'm like, obviously, the one holding the book that says dragon is the dragon. But I don't know. I don't I don't see anyone putting it together. It's wicked exciting. I just can't believe they just name dropped this. Like, the setup was wild, especially in Rand and Matt's story. And uh, they have the James Farstrider book as well. I've seen a lot of people going back and forth on whether or not they are going to gender swap that character. I think there's still every chance that that's just an Easter egg and that character won't even be in the show. And I mean, if they are, it's a long time coming. But I could totally see that being gender flipped. That's how I took the language when they said Egwene, what was it that they said? Uh, she thought she was Jane Farstrider herself. I'm pretty sure the way that that term is usually used means that they're implying that Jane was a woman. I'm not convinced it totally matters, to be honest. But um, but there it is. I, I could totally see them doing that. And I actually, I liked them giving that part of Egwene's little backstory, too, because we did kind of miss out on stuff about Egwene wanting to travel and all that because she was a candidate for the dragon. She wasn't really given a choice, whereas in the book, she like really chooses to go with them. So I think... I've talked a lot about that in our main episodes too. I, I think that it's good that they put that in there. And even like Scott's starting to notice, like she's having a lot of fun out there with the tinkers and out in the world. And I think the more they can hammer in her, her sort of wanderlust and, and her sense of adventure, the better. We have the whistling. Um, this is awesome though. I think it, it looks like based on IMDb, Definitely Pat and Fane confirmed for episode six. Maybe a possible flashback with Dana based on the IMDb. So that would be really cool. I would love to get the chance for everyone to see where she was going to be getting her orders from and like potentially how she would have communicated with the Fade. I think that that will be some cool blanks to fill in. If that's what happened, it's really setting up the precedent for flashbacks like not quite at the level of like a this is us like a show where like you think that you saw the whole scene and then it turns out later that you really didn't and it goes back to that same scene and shows it you know from another character's point of view or something and it's really different i don't think we're going to be at that level but if we do get a flashback to dana i think we're definitely setting more and more of a precedent after the flashback that we had with nynaeve that you can really fill in a lot of story through flashback 
like I said in the last Black Aja Friday, I do think that it sounds like we're going to get a Rand flashback. So this would make sense that this is a thing that the show is going to do. Fill in blanks from scenes and, and sequences that we already saw via flashback. And I'm so here for it. That's how a lot of the best mysteries are done. So give me all of that. Um, the other kind of th notable things in this part of the story with Rand and Matt were their agreement at Matt's insistence not to let one another be gentled and taken in by the Aes Sedai. They are pretty, uh, pretty adamant about this, at least Matt is. And I loved it. I think it's going to set up some really interesting conflict later because I can see Rand turning around and being like, yo, I thought it was Matt. I thought this was going to be Matt because that's for sure what Rand must think at this point, right? He has every reason to. We talked about that for a while in our main episode. Occam's razor for Matt. The it is, or I'm sorry, Occam's razor for Rand. Occam's razor for Rand. Matt is definitely the dragon. So I think there's a really awesome blowback coming for Rand. I think he feels really confident that it's not him. Egwene can channel, and all this shit is happening with Matt. He doesn't have much reason to believe that he's the dragon right now, unless we get some more information in the flashback. If anything. I really don't know what Tam might have told him because I'm not sure that location matters so much for the dragon prophecy here. I don't know. I think there's a big question mark about that. But I think that Rand is in for a rough awakening because I don't think that he thinks it's him. I really think he thinks it's Matt. The other thing is that we know how seriously Matt takes his oaths, right? I assume that he's going to be healed next week. So I... I want to see him like sticking really hard to his promises and here's some of those old two rivers stories that they tell in the books about times where Matt was really heroic or Matt always does what he says he's going to do. And we see that later in the books, like in book three, when he's delivering the letter to Egwene or I mean, even when he goes to rescue Moraine from the tower of Genji, right? Like Matt always does what he says he's going to do. As, and for Rand a lot in the books, right? And for Rand's cause. And some of that is Tavirin, of course, but some of that is just Matt being a hero and a stickler to his own word. So I just wonder how much he's going to take that seriously. Will he really try to stop Rand going to the tower? Will he try to kind of stand in Rand's way, be a voice of warning for him? I don't know, but I think it's going to be really interesting. Loghain's laugh was wild. Like, I initially I was like, obviously he's laughing at Rand and the camera's misdirecting us to Matt, right? And that's working great because people generally get that Matt has dagger sickness, not channeling sickness, obviously. I think most viewers are getting that right now. So it can be, it's not like that'll be uh, confusing when Rand's revealed later. It's obviously just a camera trick, right? They're both sitting there. But did Matt hallucinate this? Like, I'm not 100% sure that he didn't. It's it's done really strangely, and it's really hard to say how much, if any, of that happened and how much of it's just an Easter egg for the book scene. I would really love for it to have happened, but I'm totally not sure. And then we get Nynaeve and Rand, and this is awesome. They are everything. Obviously, Nynaeve is with Rand right up till the very end, and they're just such an awesome team. She's like one of the only people that he really trusts. And she has had his best interest in mind from moment one and does until 
the very end, right? So I just love seeing them together. I can't wait to see more of them together. Making a decision next week with how to handle this. And we'll talk towards the end of this episode about where things are going next week. But I think Nynaeve is going to be really helpful in getting Matt some much needed medical attention. So let's move into the Aes Sedai. I have a lot to say about the Aes Sedai. <laughs> There's so much foreshadowing in here of Moraine's death. Like, so much. And those are words that, like, it actually makes me kind of nervous to say that out loud. I've been so careful about spoilers. I, I appreciate everyone joining me at the Dark Friend Social so I can say, say these words out into the world. I'm looking around me like, is anyone here? Because I'm alone, right? It's just my podcast today. But it's so great. It really shows, like, how, like, Lan is terrified that Maureen's going to die. And... Moraine obviously feels like that's a possibility. Like Alana's like, you're going to be here for a long time. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. She's not totally sure about that. And I love how like, like Scott and other people I know who are just viewers, they really feel a connection to step in. And I understand that. And people are happy that he got so much time last week. And I'm also hearing people say, oh, we spent this whole episode on someone who doesn't matter and he's a side character. What I'm not hearing from non-book readers is, like, I don't know that people are totally picking up on the foreshadowing, and I think that's good. I think it would be a real shame if people started forecasting Maureen's death now any more than we do by nature, because she is a Gandalf figure, and Gandalf figures die. So it's it's nice that they're not telegraphing it too strongly, but they are leaving all of these little nuggets here to watch again later after after all of these plot points actually unfold and we can go back and see how they set this up. And also when that happens, we'll have a very, very clear picture of what could happen to Lan. And I can tell you right now that if we put that option up to anybody that Lan could be in Stefan's place, any, any time now, honest to God, like I expect us to see Maureen die like before the end of season three. Cause I think that's when we're going to get to my as wells too. Obviously. And if she dies, a little while before that in the books, but I, I could see them keeping Rosamond for like three seasons. Get, and I expect season three to end with Dumai as well. So I could see it kind of like getting to that point. Maybe I haven't really thought in too much detail about how they might change that around, but people would flip out right now if they thought that this was going to happen to Lan. So I felt it very viscerally. This That scene where Lan comes in and just like gets on his knees and just like puts his hand on her arm. You could just feel like just feel how worried he is and how much he doesn't want that to happen to him. And like, Oh my God, I can't even imagine what the impact of her death is going to be when like, we have had five episodes with Lan or what with, with Daniel Hetty, right? Like we've had not that much time with this version of Lan and I am in love with him. I'm like, I don't want him to suffer and he's going to suffer and it's awful. And, but the great thing was that they set up Maureen's like, I heard you can sever the bonds. And I'm like, cool. I would love for her to have a conversation with like, where the fuck is Varen? Can I get a Brown please? Um, you know, so, someone learned, right. Um, I know she does it with Adelaus and Van Deen in the books, but who knows how they're going to condense the ice to die. But I'd love to see her have some time with a Brown, to figure out that you can pass the bond and to do that with, I think, Alana, right? I think it's definitely going to be Alana who she passes the bond to. Because I don't think she's going to go direct to Nynaeve. That is an uh, outside the box, like, 
left field option, though. We could totally skip the Alana thing and go direct to Nynaeve. There's no no telling necessarily that Nynaeve wouldn't be, A, already an Aes Sedai, or B, not especially give a fuck about the rules, and Moraine not really care about the rules, to give her land and have her pick up a border before she's an Aes Sedai. I, I think anything's on the table with land. I kind of do hope that it gets passed to Alana, just because I think that was an interesting storyline. But we'll see what they have to do for the sake of expediency, right? I also think in the Aes Sedai plots, we're kind of getting closer and closer to confirming that Leandrin will take over for Elida. All the talk of, you know, Leandrin's gaining power, more people are starting to listen to her, not just the Reds. I don't, I don't super see them doing that right now with Leandrin, only to switch it up and do it again with Elida in a season or two. I just, I just don't see it. And I really like having this like gray area villain. And I think it would be totally fucking awesome if Leandrin turned out to not be Black Aja and it was like somebody else. And like right now we only really know Alana, right? But how cool would it be if we get to know another Aes Sedai sometime between now and season two? Because we've only had an episode, two episodes with Alana. And we feel like we know her pretty good, right? Like, there's lots of time for us to get to know another Aes Sedai to, like, turn out to be a surprise Black Aja that takes the girls to the Shanshan, right? Like, that's totally plausible. I could see them doing that to just, like, fuck with with readers, right? Get, let us have that surprise. Well, we're not going to be that surprised when someone drags the girls out of the tower, if that's what happens. But, you know, let us have have the fake out with an Aes Sedai who we didn't know was Black Aja and let Leandrin fill Ilana's role. I'm I'm sorry, fill, um, fill Elida's role. I, I think it could be awesome. I don't know. I could kind of get down. I think it's interesting that we don't totally know what's happening. And I think that that's really fun. It's certainly one of my favorite things about adaptation. It's what I enjoyed during Game of Thrones as a book reader. I really like getting to make predictions and try and figure out where something that I already love and know really well is going to go, right? Like, this is so exciting. It's like it's like new Wheel of Time. I'm happier when there are changes. I think it gives... it it puts everything on the knife's edge, right? It's like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Oh, do you? <laughs> and it's the best. And, and speaking of where I don't know what's going to happen, I want to talk about the Forsaken. So we get shown eight, right? And I'm okay with that. Um, I know people have kind of deep dived and tried to say which one is is like who's who. And I could totally get down with the ones that were like, that's Grendel and like Lanfear, that seemed pretty clear. Um, obviously, we got Ishamayel pointed out to us. But here's what I'd like to see happen. If it's up to me, I want to keep Ishamayel, Lanfear, Semirog, Mogidian, and Demondred and not merge them. So that's five out of eight, right? I would be okay merging Misana and Grendel. Let's call her Grisana. And I feel like Grisana works because Grendel didn't do that much important stuff. Like, I know that book purists are going to be like, but everything everyone does is, but, but like, honestly, 
she's there's not that much going on that she can't get merged. So I think we stick Grisana in the tower, give her a secret hideout in Matrim's Barrow or whatever the translation is for that, and call it good. I think that pretty much covers all the bases because Rand does need to have a Matrim Sparrow. I don't care geographically where it is, but he it, obviously it can't be the White Tower, but he needs to have a Matrim Sparrow to bail fire into oblivion, right? Like we, that has to happen for his character arc or, or something similar, but preferably that. And Egwene does need to have a Forsaken in the tower. So I think if you merge the two of them, you're good because... They travel all the time. Both of them do. Like we get, I think we learn a lot about traveling through Masana, right? We get like the the traveling doorbell in like book seven or eight, where they like announce themselves before just like portaling into her house. Like I, she travels all over the place. So I don't see any reason that she can't be in and out of the tower and fill both of those roles and do plenty of other cool stuff. So I'm here for Grisana. I'm also okay merging Ravine and Samael, who I am calling Ravael. I'm having way too much fun with this, you guys, like by myself. Like, any, <laughs> if you guys want to come and do this with me, please do, because I'm over here dying with spoiler joy and <laughs> can't share it with anybody. Um, but so Ravael, I think, can do all of the stuff that the like the whole Lord Gabriel plotline. I think he can handle all of that, no problem. And then when he's done, he can take on another fake identity in Ilian. Because uh, Ravine and Samael both do that, right? They go and, like, by one means or another, kind of take over a kingdom with a fake identity. So I don't see why we can't have a situation where he survives the fight in Camelin. And if we absolutely have to have all of the, like, I know the big thing that matters in that fight is, like, Matt's fake-out death. Like, everyone getting bail-fired back to life, right? Navienda. I get that that's the important thing that has to happen there. If that absolutely has to happen during the same season as, like, the Camelin attack would, right? If all that, like, the bail-firing absolutely has to happen at that point, give it to Kooladin. Let him get bail-fired. Like, turn that whole fight into a fight with Kooladin, which, like, we don't even get to see on the page. And let it be that and let let Ravael get away. I think that's totally fine. And it can like they can still fight with him, but I just think have him have him escape. Let him do everything that he does, um, that Ravine does in Camelin. So that we can have the whole thing with um with the Lion Throne, right? Like we need to get more gays off the throne. I think it makes sense to have him there, but just have it be Ravael instead of Ravine and have him live. And then he can go and take over Ilian afterwards and go under another secret identity, totally his new MO. And um, then Ravael and Rand can have their big battle in Shatter Logoth because that's lit as fuck, right? I mean, we could even do like the Matt Balefire death and stuff. That could even all happen there. Like depending on how the pacing for this goes, like that could all happen in one season. I don't fucking know. Maybe two. Probably two. Probably two. But I don't see any reason that we can't do that and have the big final battle on, battle in Shatter Logoth and just, like, I mean, that covers everything, right? I just, so much of what the Forsaken do doesn't overlap that I don't see why you can't combine characters. So I feel like that would totally work. Controversially, though, I'm okay if we get rid of Agenor, Balthamel, Asmodian, and Bilal. So... 
I know it's not perfect, but I really feel like we can give a lot of their shit to Raphael. Um, Demondred also doesn't have a ton of shit to do. I mean, I want him and Shara, but like he could fill in for some of this. I just, you know, Raphael's whole thing can be identity theft. So it's fine if he shows up at like the eye of the world, for instance, then he's out. And the next time we see him, he's in Camelin. Or if he's undercover in a, as an Asherman for a little while, right? Like he can do that whole plot line that Deshiva does. That's totally fine with me. I think we can make him super versatile and fill in for some of the cut Forsaken. I actually think that would be fun, like really play into that and, and kind of turn it into a little bit of a new character and whichever one of the names they go with, right? Whoever sticks to be the combined role. I think you can make that person's MO jumping around and doing different things under secret identities to like cover up a lot of these plot lines. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, I understand that that means that we might lose out on some of the reborn forsaken and that's important. I think that they still need to do that. And remember, we're still getting land fear. There's no reason that Semirog can't do a lot of this too. She could pick up a lot of what gets cut for the other forsaken because she doesn't do a lot in the earlier books. And I know she's in Shanshan, like same thing with Demondred, right? But again, everybody's channeling. There's no reason they can't write around that for like for the big major beats. I think it would be totally fine to give a lot of that stuff to Raphael and also to Semirog. Um, and then I know that we lose Rand's teacher through Asmodian, but what I want to see is Loghain getting healed way earlier by Nynaeve and take on that role. And I know like one of the statues is supposed to look like Asmodian. So maybe they are going to keep him, but I would love to see it be Loghain that fills in Asmodian's role. I think that would be way better because we want to keep him in the story, right? We need a man who can channel to teach Rand. Let's have it be Loghain. I don't see why not. Um, the other option here is get rid of Demandred, keep Asmodian, and introduce Mazram Taim later to be the, um, what was the name of the fan theory? Like Timondred or I let him do it. That's also a possibility. I prefer the former um, with with Loghain. I would really like to see him get healed and be involved sooner. And I think that's in line with his character right now. Like he seems to, and, and also in the books of like, he's like, no, I'm like 100% team dragon. I, he wouldn't be like a secret in their group, but fucking so what? These are like minor changes, right? I could see that working really, really well. What I know that I need though, like if they did do like cut Demandred and have it be Taim, or just anybody else, right? Anybody who's not another male channeler who's not already a Forsaken. But I need Shara. I really need Shara to show up in the end out of not nowhere because that was so lit. Like that was my, one of my favorite parts of the end of the books because I obviously clocked every mention of Shara throughout the 14 books and there's like a lot. And I was like, this has to be a thing. This can't, they can't just like talk about this forever. And it's like the only place that doesn't come into the battle. I mean, the fucking multiverse was in the last battle, right? I was like, where is Shara? And God damn it, that was awesome. And Demondred was awesome. And there's that whole other story, the name of which I, I'm blanking off the, off the top of my head, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Like the little, like, little spinoff almost that talks about Demondred's time in Shara. I, and like fulfilling their prophecy. Like, come on. Like, I want that. I want, I want like a dope, really long montage cold open that gives us Demandred's whole backstory in Shara sometime in the, like towards the end of the seasons to get us set up. Like I just, I don't want to lose that. So that's why I have Demandred and not Asmodian in my Forsaken keep list, but that's, 
That's what I would like to see happen. But I was just excited to see them making an appearance at all. Um, I am shocked that nobody, Scott included, has said that they think Fiery Eyes is one of the Forsaken at this point. Because, like, he's... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what anybody thinks. I'm, like, clocking these theories. I'm like, guys, no one... I think Scott said at one point that he thought that was a Shamael, but only because we were like talking about a Shamael in that moment. It was before the statue showed up. Like since the statue showed up, nobody said to me, like, I bet it's one of the Forsaken. So I'm excited to see them start just like popping out of the woodwork. The the first new Aes Sedai we meet, I'm convinced it's a land fear. A hundred percent, right? I'm waiting for her to show up. Celine will be here any minute. Like Rafe said in the AMA, in the AMA. They said, Who's playing Celine? And he said, Landfear. I loved it. But uh, let's let's move into the last group here that really the most book accurate in a lot of ways was Perrin and Egwene. This was definitely different, but it, not in the way that I kind of expected. Um, I didn't really expect the wolves to show up at all. I thought this was going to be all Egwene, and I was really pleasantly surprised to see them show up. I still think they're coming back, though. I think Perrin's trial is going to matter. I think Perrin going into berserker mode when he killed Layla matters. And I don't think that that is standing in the place of him murdering a white cloak. I don't think that, I mean, maybe Valda just will have that much of a personal grudge against them, but like, I don't know. Now he's seen the eyes. Like I could kind of see the white cloaks going ballistic and having the trial and like chasing him for 14 books in the face of the last battle over this, but also kind of not. I think that there's going to be multiple run-ins with the white cloaks. And I think in our next one, Perrin might berserker mode murder a dude like after they kill Hopper. Like, I think we need to see that happen. I just think it's going to be later. Because Perrin doesn't, he doesn't know about the wolves at this point. He's not talking to Hopper. I hope that was Hopper there. That I don't know what you guys like. Where's Hopper? Where's Bella? It's a really important questions. <laughs> but I love the description of Egwene is unbreakable. I mean, fuck me dead. Like I was like, they get it so hard. Like I was having flash forwards to when she's made to be a novice again in the tower after she's captured as Amarlin. Like. Oh my God. It really is just, they just get it so much. It's so awesome. The, like the way that they're able to draw the feeling and the, like the bottom line from the other books into this first season is so great. Cause if this was just a straight adaptation of eye of the world, I think it would be garbage. I don't, I, I honestly, the eye of the world is my least favorite book and it's just the amount of stuff that they have in the show right now that is not in the eye of the world is astounding. Like even just like the concept of the Ajas. I think it's so important to bring this up now. So yeah, Egwene being unbreakable was awesome. I'm curious what everybody thinks. Do we think that Nynaeve did not heal her from breakbone fever as a child? Because in some ways, I mean, I was kind of shocked that they didn't include that. But then I was like, actually giving that to Egwene is pretty dope. Just letting that be about her and not Nynaeve, especially because ostensibly, as far as we understand, she is Taviran in the show. And so I think just giving her some more things like the talk about wanting to be like Jane Firestrider and breaking the, the breakbone fever. Like I, this is cool stuff to just give to Egwene because she is such a badass and I know that a lot of people did complain that she was being made Taviran because it was going to take away from her personal accomplishments. So I hope some of the breakbone fever stuff kind of gives that back to her. 
when she tells Perrin, you know, you might take you your whole life to realize it, that this isn't your fault, but you will. And I'm like, yeah, you're like, no joke, dude. Like, Loki, at least until season five or six. Like, it's going to take you a long time, Perrin, to get there. What I want to know about Perrin right now, and I think it's going to be, like, I don't know, it's probably going to bring us all to our knees. Is Right now, he's not carrying an axe. At some point, after having murdered Layla he is going to pick up an axe. It's not like it's his default weapon that he's carrying with him, having never done any violence with it. And then he goes berserker on the white cloaks. I mean, Perrin is going to opt into this thing at some point. So holy fuck. I can't imagine what that is going to look like. Right. I can't imagine. I can't imagine this Perrin picking up an axe right now, willingly or any weapon. I, I, I cannot wait to see what puts him in the position to have to do that in the hopefully by the end of this season, right? Maybe they have to grab something from the armory on their way out to the ways. And I can't imagine why he would choose it though. Like literally anything else, literally any other weapon in the world. Like it's not even that common of a weapon either. It's not like he's trying to stay away from the sword and which incidentally, I love how people think that the, that Tam's sword is like from an Aiel sword. And that's about how they're like, I'm like, oh, you, you don't even know my sweet summer children. I also love about Perrin that it looks like they're just going to give him the golden eyes when he is doing ascending, like communicating with the wolves. And I think that's a nice balance. They can't put Marcus in contacts the whole time. And honestly, even in fan art, the golden eyes like straight looks weird. So I don't mind them doing that just when he's communicating with the wolves. I think that that's going to be really cool. And it's a perfect visual for us to know that that's happening, right? Which we're we're going to need, let's be real. Because there's for sure going to be scenes where Perrin will zone out for a second and then come back and say, the wolves say that random, random, And like, so the, the eyes will be a really nice indicator for the audience of when that's happening. But I, I do love watching people try to figure out what's going on with Perrin. There's a lot of people who think he's going to turn into a wolf. Or that he's not able to communicate with them. He can just call for them. That's what Scott said. So I, while I, like I said last week, I do not feel that we need an Elias, specifically Elias. We could use perhaps some exposition about what's going on with Perrin. Last thing on these guys is the question about Valda and whether he has a Tyrangriel. And that that's what stopped him from being hit or being channeled at with the fireball. I for sure don't think so. I think that Matt's Matt's gear, which is some of the best gear in all fantasy. I mean, he is right up there with Harry Potter, right? Like he has a really cool kit and the medallion is part of Matt's kit. And he gets that from the, the elephant or the elephant. I don't know. Snakes or foxes pick one, whichever one it was during that particular interaction. I can't remember. Um, but you know, he gets that and he gets his, uh, what's it called? Fuck. Uh, you know, Matt's spear. I can't remember what it's called. Bad fan. But he gets his spear from them as well. And it's all a result of his wishes, right? Like, I want a way to get out of this place next time. And so he gets the spear and it can cut through the dimensions. And I want a way to avoid Aes Sedai. Here's the medallion that stops people channeling at you. I don't see Valda just like strutting around with that. That's a really integral part of Matt's storyline and it's magic. I don't know. No, thank you. 
I think much better for the story and for the characters. It's just that she really genuinely tried to throw a fireball and it just fizzled out at him. Just like, I mean, any little bit of fire would fizzle out. And I think that then she realizes that she can burn the ropes. It's just showcasing that she's smart. It's like, okay, this is all I can do, which puts her in a nice juxtaposition to Nynaeve. And then also, okay, if that's all I can do, how can I make it work for me? Which she does in setting Perrin loose. Holy shit, was he ever the biggest weapon in that room? <laughs> so I will wrap up the Stark Friend Social by talking about next week for episode six, which is called The Flame of Tarvalin, obviously referring to Swan Sanche, who will be appearing. And holy fuck, they released a sneak peek today of her, and it looks unbelievable. I mean, Swan was just immediately the best. I fell in love with her the second she opened her mouth. Like, I I love Swan Sanche. Kevin, do you love Swan Sanche? Yeah, he does. Um, but the teaser was really cool of them bringing Loghain in. And she's like, why the fuck is he in chains? He's gentle. He cannot do shit to us. Like, stop being an asshole. Look at this guy. And he's in such bad shape. They really do a good job of showing how fucked up gentling, like, what that really does to you. I loved it. And then in the teaser, Loghain gives this like just bone chilling speech about how weak the Aes Sedai are and how a hundred years ago, nobody would dare fuck with them. And now he is like, no problem. He has an army with him on his way to take her out and fuck you, Swan Sanchez. Like, fuck you, Loghain. And I'm just very like, it was a very, so much tension. And it's, it's great. I love that they're showcasing that the Aes Sedai are weak. They showed the division in the tower last week. And like, am I the only one who noticed how totally empty the tower is? So I think that they'll probably hit on that. Like, yeah, we have like three accepted right now or, we, you know, whatever the, whatever the numbers turn out to be. And we've seen how big the tower is. So I think it'll be cool for them to really show how few sisters are in there and start setting these pieces up now. Like we can't afford to wait the way that Jordan did. Like I said, the eye of the world has fucking none of this. So I'm really glad that that they're incorporating it. I think it's it's just so such good use of stuff that doesn't happen in the book. Right? Like everything this week that was not from the book is crucial world building, particularly around the Aes Sedai. And just fuck yes, Rafe. It's just, it's so good. It's like all information that we really super need for stuff later to matter. And yeah, taking the time to set that up is absolutely better than most of what happens in like in and around Camelot and on the road in the eye of the world. Like it's this is awesome. But next week, I'm pretty sure Perrin and Egwene will arrive at the tower. I'm pretty sure Moraine's gonna clock them entering. Like I don't see her not spotting them coming in like all ragtag by themselves. They're not gonna be hidden in a group of tinkers in all likelihood. I think that's over for now. We will obviously go back to Aram and the rest of the Tinkers. Allow that to be a wonderful reunion in season two or three. But for now, I think that they're going to come all ragtagged into the city themselves. And Moraine's going to clock them and pick them up. Perrin, hopefully, maybe we'll get some kind of wolf power explainer somewhere. Even if it is in the tower. Like, we just, you know, Steppenwolf is, is out at this point. Which is, could almost have worked, guys. Steppenwolf would have been nice. But he had other other important roles to fill. So I don't know. I think somebody's bound to talk to Perrin about this. It may even be Moraine. 
right? When they when they connect again. And that would be nice. They haven't had a lot of direct contact. She hasn't had a one-on-one with Perrin yet. Or Matt, I don't think. I think it's really... Or Rand. Maybe just the girls that Maureen's really powwowed with. So I think we're, we're overdue for that with her. So maybe she'll be the one to help explain it to Perrin. Maybe they'll run into like a gnome. Out, isn't that his name? The other guy they find who's like totally lost his mind. I don't know. Maybe Hopper will just pop into a stream and explain it. That would be fucking dope. <laughs> but hopefully someone's going to explain that. Um, I'm of two minds about Rand and Matt for next week. I think that Rand and Matt won't go to the tower because Rand in the books never goes. And I think it would be hilarious if they maintained that. I kind of don't see how you can just like put the dragon in the tower. I really don't like, I just, I, I'm like story over. <laughs> so I, it, a big part of me does not think that they will go to the tower. Obviously Rand is around lots of Aes Sedai and no one knows he's the dragon at this point, but still I, I, Part of me really does not see Rand and Matt actually making it to the tower, right? Like I would see more rain coming to them and then they all panic and leave the city for whatever reason, right? Whatever drives them out to the ways. On the other hand, I think Matt and Rand will go to the tower because Matt needs to get healed of that dagger right the fuck now. I bet that is worse when we open up on episode six, like by a lot. And... It's possible that Moraine and maybe a trusted sister, perhaps Alana and Rand will meet. Holy shit. Could, uh, they could go to the inn with Moraine and heal Matt. And it may, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be like a whole room full of yellows. Maybe that's the change. And Matt can be like fully healed from the dagger with just maybe Moraine and Alana. Maybe with like, I don't know, it'd be wild if Leandrin was with them. I'm like, there's going to be other, like, where's Varen? Like, there have to be other Aes Sedai and Torvalon, but, you know. But I could see them going and healing him in the inn. Like, maybe Swan tells Moraine, like, keep the kids out of the tower if you can. Like, maybe there's some kind of reason that she's like, yo, plans changed. Shit in the tower is getting crazy, right? The, the silver pike are biting at the nets. Don't bring the kids here. Change of plans. And then maybe Maureen's like, okay, Alana, I need your help. Come with me to the inn. We got to heal this kid. And then I got to hit the road. So maybe that's how this will go down and they don't end up in the tower. I don't know. But one way or another, it's time for everybody to get out of town. So if they don't go to the tower, and honestly, no matter what, at this point, I kind of think we're going to have to skip all of the fun book three stuff of Matt getting his luck, which is a bummer. Because I, I really like when he figures that out and he's kind of on his own and he's running around Tarvalin and... He's gambling and he's trying to escape the city and he has to eat like 7,000 calories a day. It's like, wouldn't that be the dream? But it would for sure be a bummer to lose that if they, like, if it was a rush job, if it was like, you know, come and, come and heal him and then we're getting on the road. The other option, because I'm very much assuming that we're going to heal him fully whenever he gets healed now. And I've been assuming that from the beginning because they're in Tarvalon. And let's just move along through. I can't see them dragging that out for that long. But on the other hand of that, there's the whole Horn of Valir situation and Pat and Fane stealing the dagger. And 
I just don't know. I think that that is a storyline that they could change really dramatically. I think they could heal Matt of the Dagger 100% now and still have a hunt for the horn with Pat and Fane and do all of the things and just not have it be about the dagger. Because I just, I don't see them sending Matt back to the tower after. You know, that's where I think they're going to have to speed the pacing up a little bit. I don't know, though. It's so much fun to think about. I can't even imagine what, like, Sarah Nakamura's life is like. Trying to, like, piece all this together and think about what happens if you cut what. But I'm really curious to see how healed we're about to be. And I just hope all the way because I think, especially in the current sort of pop culture climate, it would be really hard to have, like, a shitty, no fun mat for much longer than we have had him if they want to endear people to this character like because how obnoxious is matt in the first like two books two and a half books two books he's better in book three but it's it's a lot right like and and then he becomes everybody's favorite character and i just cannot see them declining to capitalize on that i really think that he will get his luck in episode six like i really want to see or maybe like episode seven can open up with him strutting around tarvel and like before they go to the ways i just don't know it depends on how they end this episode and it depends on you know what drives them into the ways i think that there's gonna be a lot of changes in this too obviously i think swan and moraine's whole plot is gonna get revealed this week and i think it's gonna be awesome like i would bet that that's the whole first half of the episode followed by some reason for them to book it to the Blight. And it's going to have to be a fucking good reason because they're at the tower with every opportunity to send anybody else to solve a problem, right? I mean, what the fuck has to be going on that is going to drive them into the ways? And the book isn't great about this either, but it's all like, we have to protect the eye of the world, holy tits, like, let's go. And I think... And please do send me feedback if I don't have this right. But I think, if I recall the Eye of the World correctly, that a big part of the reason that they just go by themselves is that they're not at the Tower. That there's no time to go to Tarbalan. It's like, no, we need to fucking book it. And I just, I feel like they're going to change up the whole sequence of the Eye of the World a lot and good. I mean, it's a, it's pretty agreed upon to be some of this, like, the weirdest... This doesn't track. I don't even know what's going on on my like my fourth read of this. Where are we at situations? Like I, I hope they change a lot of it. So I think that there's going to be some surprises coming with what drives our group to the ways. And obviously Moraine's going to have to interact with Loyal, who is just like fucking flawless in every way. Also, I just want to take this quick moment to say, God damn it, was I ever wrong last week? We all were wrong. How dare we question Rafe? Like it's Loyal is awesome. I do not care what he looks like. He looks, I think he actually looks great. I kind of miss his ears, but God damn it. If Hamad isn't acting the shit out of that, like he is loyal. It's just, it's really incredible. Um, I love him. But anyway, the point is I'm curious what's going to drive them into the ways. And I can't wait to see Swan and Moraine. I I'm calling it now. I think we're going to actually get some sex position between the two of them. I swear one of the promotional things had like, it looks like Moraine getting up out of bed. And I think it'll be like, or like getting dressed, getting out of bed. I think, I think she'll be with Swan. And I really can't wait to see this because they've been hyping up like their animosity since episode like three or four, four. And I've been trying to do my bit to hype it up and just draw attention to it and be like, well, remember they've said that they, they don't get along.
Oh no. <laughs> Cause I, I think that that is going to be one of the, the coolest reveals to new watchers right now that they have this whole plan together that no one knows about. And they're like together romantically and strategically and, they have all this scheming and plotting and everyone thinks that they don't get along and they're not friends. Like, it's just, it's just fucking brilliant. I mean, mm, I think that they will be able to capture the magic of Maureen's first POV chapter in the great hunt. Cause how, how awesome was that moment, right? That was like game changing for me as a reader in my first read, getting that first Maureen chapter. And we just, we don't know anything about her in the book right, or in the show right now, which is so cool. Like, she is a total enigma, so I can't wait to pull the curtain back on that. The only other, like, little Easter egg related to to them that I haven't talked about is the, the like, painting, the secret stash painting that Maureen has in her room. I think people are generally correct. This is probably painted by Swan, or it's some way of passing information, or it's... Maybe they each have one, and it's, like, Harry and Sirius's mirrors. I don't know, but... I think it's cool that they're bringing new stuff in. I very much hope that we do get introduced to the concept of Angriel, Terra Angriel, Saw Angriel, et cetera, to, uh, this week or soon. Because um, Moraine has one packed. They're not going to not address that this season. So maybe she'll get in trouble for still having it. Maybe Swan will ask about it. I don't know. I'm really excited. I think episode six is going to be great. I think it's going to like every episode. I'm like, oh, my God, this blew the whole world open. I can't believe it. It's so great. How much more can they do? And I feel like it's going to be even more next week once we get Swan. And she had better make a fish reference. I'll be most disappointed if we don't have any kind of fish reference from Swan Sanchez. But we're going to find out. We shall see. We're going to find out next week. So stick with us. Thank you guys for staying to the end with me tonight for the Dark Friends Social, getting out all those evil spoilers. If you ever want to come and do this with me, let me know. I will be doing it through the end of this season. So you guys can look forward to coming up. We will have the Wheel of Time episode six review. We're actually going to have that out on Friday night, probably kind of late Friday night on the 10th. So we'll have that out pretty quickly for you guys for episode six, The Flame of Tarvalon. And then we're going to have a Spider-Man primer episode next Monday on the 13th that we're super excited for. So it's going to be everything that you need to know before you see No Way Home. So recaps of all of our once and future heroes and villains. So make sure to keep an eye on, on us for that. And then we're also going to have like a Christmas episode. We're going to be comparing the adaptations of A Christmas Carol, which we all know the Muppets are going to win. So spoiler, it, the answer is the Muppets. But we are going to do a Christmas episode to talk about all those adaptations. And that'll be out, um, you know, right before the holiday. We'll put that out probably on the 23rd. So we'll also have the Spider-Man review Wheel of Time episode seven, lots and lots of stuff coming the next few weeks. And I will continue to have the Dark Friends social to go over show spoilers through the end of the season. So stick with us, send us feedback. If you guys have questions, if I got something wrong, let me know at gobehindthetimeline at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at gobehindthetimeline and at Twitter at behindtimeline. And you can check out our new website that has information on the whole timeline, upcoming episodes, the most recent episodes, all that stuff's on the website. All of that will be in the link in the descriptions. And um, yeah, stay nerdy, stay evil.
I'll see you guys for the next Dark Friend Social.